0: previously on Haunted.
2: I don't usually walk with strange men at night. (laughs) There's something about you, Ray. James, it's a paranormal convention. This is like Comic-Con for ghost hunters.
3: The people who've paid money to come here don't want the truth. They want exciting stories. Have you
2: seen this young woman?
3: Is she somebody close to you?
2: My granddaughter. She went out to a party with some friends last week. Only she never came home.
3: I'm very sorry.
2: If you do see her... Anywhere. My number is on the bottom. Right there. Hang on. Did you say
3: girls? Plural.
2: Oh, yeah. Third one in two
3: weeks, is Sally.
2: Why are you being like this? I thought we finally understood one another.
3: I don't understand you at all.
2: Yeah, that's right. Go and sulk, you big baby.
4: As I live and breathe, James Hunter.
3: I know her voice.
4: No. <laughs> Hello, old friend.
1: Audio drama Episode Seven Renadine Part Two of Four Written by Joe Duncan.
4: Well, aren't you happy to see me?
3: Why would I be happy to see you?
4: Um, because we were friends. Business partners for a while,
3: too. The key word there is were.
4: I know, I know. I hear through the grapevine that you're back in business with a
3: glamorous new assistant.
4: I suppose I can't blame you for trading me in.
3: You and I stopped working together a long time ago. Oh, don't
4: worry. I remember. How could I forget my best friend stabbing me in the back?
3: I stabbed you in the back. You're the one who... (coughs) Never mind. Look, I'm here, you're here. It's a big hotel. Let's just try and stay out of each other's way. Sure thing. Might be a
4: little difficult, though. Why is that? We're doing the Q&A panel together.
3: (laughs) Damn it.
0: Are you okay?
2: Yeah, just a headache. They're quite frequent lately.
0: That doesn't sound good. Maybe you should see a doctor.
2: I don't think a doctor can fix what's wrong with me.
0: I see. Is that why you're here To see if you can get help via less traditional means?
2: Something like that, yeah.
0: I understand. When mainstream science fails us, we must turn to the weird and wonderful of the solace.
2: Yeah. Hey, you say you live around here.
0: Yeah, I moved here recently.
2: From Ireland.
0: If you go back far enough. I've actually been here in England for a few years now.
2: Well, I was just wondering if you've heard anything about the disappearances?
0: Disappearances?
2: Young women, all in their early twenties, vanishing without a trace.
0: I was handed a flyer by an elderly woman outside. Is that what you mean?
2: Yes, that's the latest one. Somebody told my friend that there'd been two others.
0: My, that's horrifying. I'm afraid I hadn't heard anything, though. I must confess, I'm not much for one for keeping it up on local news. I tend to spend too much time inside my own head. What do you do? Promise not to laugh. I promise. I'm a poet.
2: <laughs> of course you are.
0: Your foolish career choice in the 21st century, isn't it?
2: No, I just mean... I can just see it, you know? The soft Irish voice, the unkempt hair and the quirky old-fashioned clothes. Yeah, you are totally a poet.
0: Thank you. I think. <coughs>
5: Welcome, everybody, to the first night of this year's para X Convention. Is your friend not coming back to join us? Apparently not. This evening, we're going to talk about the local lore and legends, including a haunting right here on the 8th floor of this old hotel, which has a self-typing typewriter. The marketplace witch who steals the souls of children and entombs them in the wooden cat figurines. But before any of that, we're going to talk about Fairies. (laughs) Back in the 1800s, this town was actually founded by a small Irish community. In fact, this very hotel was originally a boarding house for less well-off Irish immigrants.
2: As the presenter went on to talk about the old Irish town, I felt my attention drift. Firstly to James and his sulking attitude, and then to the missing girls around town. James had seemed to be preoccupied with them, And if he was paying attention to something, it usually meant that something suspicious was going on. Then again, was it just his way of trying to get out of the convention? So, of
5: course. When the people came from Ireland, so too did their imps, fairies and other monsters. Hiding amongst the busy streets and the poverty-stricken people, what do fae folk enjoy doing most more than anything? Causing mischief, of course, from moving things around in people's homes and stealing food or drink and, on occasion, butchering local livestock or small pets.
2: Has there ever been a case of fairies butchering people?
5: Good question, young lady. Butchering? No. But there are many stories of fairies kidnapping young people, particularly young women.
2: Fairies kidnap girls?
5: According to the stories, of course, taking with a pinch of salt, it is of course possible that young girls were actually running away from home to marry forbidden men. After all, this was a strong Catholic community at the time, very strict in its rules. You can see why a young woman might find that constraining. Now, that's being about just finished up. Now I'd like to welcome the manager of the hotel to talk to us about the Disappearing Room eight hundred and three.
2: Oh, surprise, surprise. You're at the bar again.
3: Don't worry, I haven't been here this whole time. How was
2: it? Interesting. Really? Yeah, I really enjoyed it, actually. I'd quite like to take a look at this so-called Disappearing Room 804. Apparently there's a typewriter inside that will type out a sentence telling you how you're going to die charming. Still feeling sour then? Sourdough?
3: I wanted to apologise. For earlier. And for leaving you in the talk. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, well, it's okay. I made a new friend, actually. Really? Yeah. See the Irish guy over there talking to the lady selling the dream catchers.
3: He wants to be careful of her. A charlatan if ever there was one.
2: It looks like you have a fan, though. What? That guy over there. He keeps looking at you.
3: Oh. Ignore him. He's bad news. You know him? He's an old friend. How old? Very old. We grew up together. Really? Yes. He lost his parents too. We were both in the orphanage. We were best friends. Nearly like brothers, to be honest.
2: So, what happened?
3: We originally went into the paranormal investigation business together. Carl is a very knowledgeable demonologist and he knows lots about the artefacts of the occult... Things like that.
2: Sounds like a knowledgeable guide to have around.
3: Very. There's just one problem. Where I wanted to simply investigate the paranormal to study it, Carl thought that he could find a way to use it. I saw a dark side to him that scared the crap out of me. So I got away from him as quickly as I could. Haven't seen him since. Until tonight.
2: So he didn't actually do anything?
3: He's bad news, I can tell.
2: Maybe you're judging your friend a bit harshly. If he's an expert in occult artefacts, he might be able to tell us more about the Pythagorean prison. You know, how it works, etc.
3: Don't ask him about it. I forbid it.
2: I'm sorry, what? You forbid it? Since when could you forbid me doing anything? You know, you're being a real arse lately, James.
3: Abigail, no! Don't!
2: Oh! Excuse me, Carl, is it?
4: Carl Trevino, yes. And you must be the lovely Abigail I've heard about. James's, uh. assistant?
2: I prefer the term partner.
4: Of course. Forgive me. A faux pas on my part.
2: James tells me you're an expert on occult artifacts.
4: Really? He said that. How kind of him.
2: Could you take a look at this one? Abigail. I know what I'm doing, okay? Here.
3: My god.
4: Do you have any idea what this is?
2: Beyond the fact it's called the Pythagorean Prison and a young woman was able to use it to create highly realistic tulpas, no, no idea.
4: Well, the Pythagorean Prison is somewhat of a legend amongst curators of supernatural artefacts. Unfortunately, its history is very badly recorded and there are whole periods where nobody knows where it was. Most serious historians ruled it out as simply a theory of Pythagoras's, not something he ever actually made to think it has survived all of this time.
3: What does it do?
4: Well, supposedly the prism is the most mathematically perfect pyramid shape in existence. It is capable of both refraction and focus. It doesn't just focus light, however. It can apparently focus psychic energy.
2: Which would explain how Kayla and Raven were able to use it to manifest such realistic tulpas.
4: In theory, yes. That would be something it could be used for. Tulpas are four forms, after all. According to all of the legends, it takes Eastern monks decades of meditation and practice to be able to maintain a tulpa. In theory, this would be a good way to skip to the end, as it were.
2: Like putting your psychic energy on steroids?
4: Exactly.
3: Okay, we're done here. Abigail, put the prism away. Oh, come now, James. Now, Abigail... I think you're forgetting something. Thank you for
2: your help.
4: Mm. I'll see you on tomorrow's panel.
3: Abigail, you can't.
2: I'm going to bed. Abigail. I don't know what's wrong with you this weekend, but I have got a pounding headache and I do not have the patience to deal with it. Good night.
3: A million thoughts were buzzing through my brain like hundreds of tiny fireflies even as the clock passed midnight and neared 1am. Abigail was angry with me. Well, good, I was angry with her. Still, maybe I had handled it poorly, been a little bit overbearing. I needed a drink. Assuming Cole was correct about the prism, and what little I had been able to source online suggested that he was... I wondered if there were a way to use the prism to cure Abigail of the signal burrowing its way deeper and deeper into her mind. She was putting on a brave face, and it was true she'd lasted longer than any of the previous victims, but I could tell she too was beginning to succumb to its effects. She seemed to have a headache every day now, and I'd noticed her becoming increasingly distracted, as though she were listening to something else instead of what was going on around her. I would never be so ungentlemanly as to point this out, but she'd been looking a lot worse for wear lately as well, pale with dark circles beneath her eyes. I doubted she was sleeping well, and if she was, I doubted she was resting. If I pressed my ear to the shared wall of our rooms, I could hear her tossing and turning in the bed. I didn't know how to help my friend, and it was driving me crazy. Even more so because she refused to show how it was affecting her. She had once told me that she had faith in me. Faith that I would come through. That I would save her. I've had my faith broken before, but I never thought I would be on the other end, breaking it. fuck it. I need a drink. Time to see if the bar's still
0: open. Ah, back again. Late night? Couldn't sleep. Indeed. Nightcap? Please. No problem. You may
3: as well queue up another. I have a bit of a tolerance.
0: No problem, sir.
3: Have you heard anything about these disappearing girls?
0: Dark topic for a Friday
3: night. Is it? My entire life seems to have been submerged in dark topics.
0: You lot are all the same who come to this convention. Morbid tastes, the lot of you. Humor me. I know that old lady has set up shops every day this week different places all over the town, begging anyone and everyone for information on her missing granddaughter.
3: And the other two? Did they have families?
0: Were they around the same age? As it happens, they were. Why do you want to know? You're not going to start claiming they got by Dracula, or the Wolfman, or nothing, are you? No,
3: no, 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 no.
0: I'm just asking. They were both young women, yeah. Both taken on nights out. Both had families who missed them very much. Happy?
3: Mm, Ecstatic. Great. Where do I even start? No, no, I shouldn't. Stay focused on the task at hand. Then again, I can't just leave it alone if those girls are in danger. Hang on. Where are you going? As I glanced towards the doors that led out into the lobby, I noticed Carl dressed in his trademark black, moved stealthily out of the door. It looked like he was following a young couple who had just left. The man in the couple looked familiar, but I couldn't quite place him. I must have seen him around the convention. Mr Hunter, up at this hour,
5: could it be that you're a night owl like myself?
3: Uh, Excuse me? It's me, Colin, from earlier.
5: Have you had a chance to look at my pamphlet
3: yet? No, not yet. Ah, let me know when you do. I'm curious to find out what your thoughts are on the ice wall that contains our planet. I rather hope a keen
5: mind like yours might be able to spot a gap in their defences.
3: I'm very sorry, I have to go. Off in a rush, again? By the way, if Australia doesn't exist, how do you explain Hugh Jackman or Nicole Kidman? Government agents, both of them. Right. Bye.
2: Every night it's the same I haven't bothered to tell James What would be the point? It's just another example of the signal Burying its way into my brain Eating through my occipital and temporal lobes Just like we saw in the body James dissected thankfully, waking hallucinations are still rare for me at the moment I suspect that's a good thing But I dread falling asleep each night It's a different place every night Sometimes I'm at home, sometimes in a forest. Sometimes I'm a place I don't recognise at all. Tonight I'm dreaming of a maze of corridors where faded lime paint peels from the walls and wind whistles between the boards covering the windows. I'm so busy running from the unseen darkness that I'm not watching where I'm going. But I know where I'm going. I know where I end up. The location in the dream changes but how it ends never does. I'm going to run into him. My heart is pounding. My stomach is in knots. The part of my brain that knows I'm dreaming is begging me, pleading with me to wake up. But the rest of me doesn't listen. <laughs> Sure enough, here I am. I can't move any further. My legs are too tired to continue running. The darkness behind me is too close to turn back. Before me, a man stands in the shadows. A dark man whose skin is blackened by flame. Cracks of red raw flesh showing through in places. He is standing so far in the shadows I can barely see him. Thank God for small mercies. But his eyes shine in the darkness like pinpricks. They are eyes filled with anger and hatred and a cruelty unlike any I have ever seen. The man makes no move to approach me. He simply raises his left arm slowly and points a charred finger at me. My heart turns to ice, the blood slows in my veins and my breath freezes in my lungs. His cracked lips pull back and his mouth opens, revealing obscene white teeth in his black maw. He opens his mouth wide and broadcasts the signal. Pain, unlike any I have ever known, pierces my brain like a long, cold ice pick driven into the soft and sensitive flesh. My mind feels like it's being cleaved in two, and just when I think I can't take it, mercifully, I wait.
3: Trying my best to remain stealthy, I followed Carl as he followed the drunken couple. I hung back, but not too far for fear of losing them. What was he doing following two drunken strangers? Actually, perhaps it was only the lady who was drunk. The man seemed to be walking just fine, actually. The lady was leaning on him for support. I was sure I recognised him. I just I couldn't quite place him. I nearly jumped as I heard a couple of foxes screeching at one another. Whether it was a friendly call or a dispute over some choice piece of roadkill, I couldn't tell you. The couple turned down the alleyway. Carl followed them. Desperate not to lose them, I increased my speed, turning the corner and... Carl was gone. The couple were just ahead, turning another corner into another alleyway. Where had Carl vanished to? And where were the couple going? (laughs)
2: It's a lovely night
0: It doesn't compare to you, my dear
2: Oh, that's sweet I can't believe you don't have a girlfriend already
0: Ah, Here we go My home is just around here
2: (laughs) Who lives in an alley?
0: Don't worry I'm sure
4: you'll find it cosy Let's see what they're up to Spying on young couples, are we? How the mighty have fallen
3: Carl, what are you doing here?
4: I'm afraid I don't have time for your questions, old friend.
3: Carl, why do you have that gun?
1: Starring Jamie Evans as James Hunter and Isabella Barbieri as Abigail Corbin. Also featuring... Benton Hodges. Alex Patterson-Churchyard Tom McCarthy and David Gardner as Carl Trevino Narration by David Anthony Green Opening and closing themes by James Crow Haunted, the audio drama, is created by Jamie Evans with all episodes produced and directed by Jamie Evans and Benton Hodges audio engineering by benton hodges charles topping and jamie evans haunted is a production of impala films and is recorded at free sprite media studios with special thanks to duncan newham for equipment support thank you for listening to this audio presentation come back next week for the next terrifying chapter of haunted the audio drama
3: Hi guys, this is Jamie Evans, the creator and showrunner of Haunted, the audio drama. This is just a little quick note to add some additional credits onto the credits narrated by the lovely David Anthony Green. Um... As you're well aware, if you're a long-time fan of the show, we always thank Duncan Newham and Free Sprite Media in the credits for providing equipment support and studio space for us to record in. Well, for this episode, Renadine parts one through four, uh, we actually owe an additional credit to Duncan, who very kindly has taken on editing duties for episode seven parts one through four. So we just wanted to drop a little message here acknowledging his work and to say thank you for helping us out like that. We'll be back next week with another episode of Haunted.